The mission of the Pennsylvania Department of Education is to ensure that every learner has access to a world-class education system. Welcome to PDE Presents, a podcast series for lifelong learners that's dedicated to elevating voices across the Commonwealth. And now your host, Noe Ortega. Welcome to PDE Presents. I'm your host, Noe Ortega. PDE Presents is part of a broader strategy by the Pennsylvania Department of Education aimed at changing the way we think and talk about the mission and outcomes of education in the Commonwealth and across the country. Through this strategy, the department aims to shine a spotlight on the greater public good and collective mission of education. This podcast invites school leaders, educators, and other stakeholders to participate in conversations that unpack contemporary topics in education with a focus on equity. My guest today is Jane Clements, the CEO of Feeding Pennsylvania. Serving as a statewide voice on hunger issues, Jane spends her time advocating for policies that support hungry families on both the state and federal levels. Under her leadership, Feeding Pennsylvania has launched Fill a Glass with Hope, the nation's first statewide charitable fresh milk distribution program, the Mid-Atlantic Regional Cooperative, a produce cooperative that distributes 30 million pounds of produce annually to food banks, and the Healthy Pantry Initiative, a partnership with the Pennsylvania Department of Health that incentivizes food pantries to increase healthy food and beverages for people they serve. Jane also serves on the State Mass Care Feeding Task Force and oversees a disaster response committee responding to both in-state and out-of-state disasters. What a plate you have and welcome to PDE Presents, Jane. Thank you, Secretary Otega. I'm thrilled to be here. Fantastic. So addressing food insecurity has been a top priority for the Wolf administration, and we know it is an issue in many areas across the Commonwealth. What kind of work does Feeding PA do to help connect people with food when they have a critical need? Sure. So Feeding Pennsylvania is the state association of Feeding America food banks, which means that I represent nine food banks across the Commonwealth who distribute food through a network of more than 3,000 partner agencies. So their pantries, soup kitchens, shelters, or after-school feeding programs. Um, and so our food banks serve as these large warehouses that are able to move a little more than 160 million pounds of food annually through that distribution network. So um, we serve nearly 2 million food insecure individuals annually. And um, it's a sad fact that there are a little over half a million children in Pennsylvania who identify as food insecure. And I find it's hard to wrap your mind around um, half a million people. So I often use Penn State. So uh, a lot of people are familiar with going to a Penn State football game. You could fill that stadium five times with the amount of children who are facing food insecurity. And it in a state that boasts nearly 53,000 farms, it's, it's just absolutely unacceptable. So our network works to work with um, food distributors, shippers, manufacturers, and our own partners in agriculture to ensure that we're not just providing food, but we're providing the healthiest food for all families who are, are facing those kind of hard times. And we never saw that more than we have in the past year and a half um, when the COVID pandemic came to Pennsylvania. Jane, and I think the pandemic has really shed light on this issue, but I don't want to limit it to just the pandemic, because I know that the work that you've been doing and folks like you have really elevated the importance of food insecurity. I wonder if you can help some of our listeners who cannot really grab their minds around what it means to be food insecure, 
I think there's a lot of levels of some, how someone might be considered food insecure. Can you shed a little light on what that means specifically? Sure. So um, it definitely was something that we saw come to light during the pandemic. And we had to remind people over and over again that this isn't a new issue in Pennsylvania. The difference um, when the pandemic came to Pennsylvania that brought this to light was that suddenly it wasn't somebody you couldn't imagine, right? So overnight, people lost their jobs. And you finally could understand that if you're in a situation where you can't work or you lose your job, you still have many bills to pay. And sometimes, and most of the time, um, the budget for food seems to be the one that, you know, kind of dwindles down to the least. So when you look at the cost of housing, the cost of childcare, um, healthcare, um, then you get down to food. I mean, it really is about pinching those pennies. And so, you know, I talked a lot about the fact that, um, like I said, overnight, you had these people who had these large salaries and suddenly have no income and still have to pay all of those bills. And then I talk even about myself as a, you know, a, a single mom in Montgomery County and having to figure out paying for daycare and, and it's not inexpensive. Um, and so, you know, these are not, I think people look at it like, um, you know, somebody who is, you know, emaciated looking and, and you're, you're looking for this, this idea in your head of what hunger looks like, but hunger really is, um, the the child who shows up at school and their mother didn't have the food to provide them to to be able to um, be able to have a lunch or a breakfast even before and and that's why we promote school meals so much because we found that in most cases those meals may be the only full meals those children receive and we know through multiple studies and work we've done with school districts that. Children need that kind of nutrition in order to not only learn, but really it, it decreased behavioral issues, it decreased um, trips to the nurse, um, and overall made it a better learning environment for everyone in the school. Um, so really, it, it's, it's about recognizing that, especially as I'm, I'm sticking to children here, that sometimes those behavioral issues are deeper than just a kid, you know, acting out. There could be things like hunger issues going on in the home. So I think at Feeding Pennsylvania, you know, we're really trying to show people that this could be your neighbor. It could be the person next door and um, maybe decrease that uh, stigma of like what hunger should look like, because um, you just really never know. I agree. And I think for many of our listeners, you know, when you go in there thinking that food insecurity looks a certain way, you're quick to find out that it has many faces and it could play out in many different ways. And the pandemic has reminded us. I appreciate you, Jane, elevating the fact that even when we were doing our work during the pandemic, one of the things that we emphasized was that when schools are not in session, when kids had to be remote, many of them went without that nutritious meal. We know that many schools have been dealing with shortages of cafeteria foods even now. Uh, what kind of impacts can hunger have on learning and uh, how can we work together to ensure that no child goes hungry, Jane? One of the great things about the Wolf administration was early on, they created the Governor's Food Security Partnership, which really brought our charitable food network closer with several of the agencies within the administration. And so early on, we had a strong relationship with the Department of Education. So um, yes, when the pandemic hit and we knew that there were a lot of kids who weren't going to have access to those meals, 
um, through the Mass Care Feeding Task Force, we were connected quickly with people within your department and were able to respond not only with the resources we had, but with the school lunch resources and provide those meals to people who were at home. Um, but we do know that there are all kinds of labor issues and food supply um, issues that are happening that are, I mean, I was just at the grocery store this morning and, and there are definitely empty shelves where there weren't. Um, and, it, you know, if I could solve that problem, I'd probably <laughs> be in a different place. But um, I know that the pandemic left people um, trying to figure out now how they're going to balance their lives and get back to work. And it's not as simple as these jobs are here. Um, it's really looking holistically at, and I talked a lot about childcare. You know, we've offered um, within our network um, jobs within the food banks and have had people have to turn it away because they can't find childcare for their young um, children. And so, um, you know, looking at this in a broader level, yes, there are food supply issues, but it is so important that we find ways to work with our partners in the federal government, our partners at the state, and then, of course, um, these food um, distribution um, channels to make sure that we are able to provide that nutrition for kids because we have found that it really is so important. And like I said earlier, not really, you know, yes, the education and the learning is important, but the behavioral issues, um, the being able to feel like you are inclusive. You know, my, my daughter just started kindergarten. I was joking. I have this, I, I rocked my first day of kindergarten over here. Um, and she's just so thrilled that there's this free breakfast and this free lunch. And there's no differentiating between somebody who um, can't afford it and who can't afford it, which has been so great about school um, and being able to provide these meals. And, and I really have to say, um, you know, like just seeing it firsthand as a parent, you can see what a relief that would be for those who are really struggling to make ends meet. It's so true. And I think young kids, um, when they go to school and are provided with those nutritious meals, they take it for granted. You know, everyone has it. And when it's gone, it's when really we began to see the impact. I think you've mentioned, Jane, that during the pandemic, you saw people come together, whether it was through the mass care feeding network or other resources. Are there other things that you saw play out during that pandemic that has taught us on how we could be better in addressing issues of either food insecurity or just hunger in general? I think that we saw during the pandemic that yes, um, it's important that we build and, and really um, nurture our relationships with our donors, with our state and federal partners. Um, but I think it is important that we continue to talk about the fact that this has been an issue prior to the pandemic. And yes, it has continued to grow and, and there has been a spotlight placed upon hunger um, during the pandemic, but there are still issues that we could all help solve. And, and you know, we talk about just now those school meals that how great that is, um, but there are provisions we can do. And, and as hunger advocates, you know, we are really trying to talk to more school districts about community eligibility provisions and making sure that they have the resources to be able to continue to provide those meals above and beyond and past um, you know, the, the provisions we have now with the pandemic. Um, I think it's important that we continue to make this a conversation around our dinner tables and with our families and with our friends. Um, and I, I really do believe that it is something that we have the power to be able to 
um, make a dent in. You may never end hunger, but at least we should be able to provide the resources so that families can focus on some of their other priorities in life and not have to worry about where their next meal is coming from. So true. And I think the more that we have conversations with individuals like you, Jane, and the more that folks like the Department of Education and others talk about food insecurity, bring more attention, the more that uh, individuals may feel compelled to do something about it. And I think that's important. You've talked a lot, Jane, about um, the various uh, faces of hunger, that it's began to look like different things in the pandemic has probably created issues of uh, food insecurity because of affordability for many families. For those of us who are listening and for many of the listeners, when they try to identify who is most at risk of being impacted, by food insecurity. Can you share with them some of the lessons that your work has taught you on what populations or what individuals could be most at risk or most impacted by issues of food insecurity? I mean, I think that's a that's a hard um, question to answer when it comes to who's most at risk. It, it, I think well, some of the scariest thing is the people who don't believe that these resources are meant for them. And we found that a lot during the pandemic. So you would say, um, you know, somebody who had lost their job and now they're going through their savings and they're still trying to pay their bills. And I would say, you know, you are eligible for SNAP benefits, food stamps. Oh, no, 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 that's not for me. Um, and, and it really, at the end of the day, I think comes down to our legislators um, and, and our, our the administration to make sure that we let people know that there is no shame in taking these benefits that really at the end of the day, um, that's what we are here for. Um, that's what, you know, a lot of this federal support is here for. Um, and that, you know, we reduce the stigma of, um, you know, that's not for me. No, you know, that is exactly what the food charitable food network is all about. We are your emergency safety net during those times. And we are here to support you. And, um, you know, if a, a parent feels that's not for me, well, then what does that mean for that child? So, um, you know, I really think it's up to us as leaders to make sure that that message gets out there. And I think you raise a really important uh, um, point there, Jane. I think that removing the stigma from those who find themselves food insecure with regards to the benefit and resources is extremely important because I feel like that's one of the challenges, whether you're uh, well off or not. The stigma exists similarly for both folks, right? And many people try to hide the fact that they are, might be in need of those resources. And that's really challenging. Can you tell us a little bit about what kind of resources can help people access? I know you mentioned SNAP. Are there other things that people can access to help and uh, where might they be able to find them if there are websites? Sure. So, um, yeah, so you can go to feedingpa.org and actually we have an interactive map. So based on your county, you'd be connected with your regional food bank and then they could connect you um, to your local pantry. Most of the times, um, you know, you can work through your schools, you can talk to your um, school counselors or principals, anybody there, and they can also connect you. Um, but then there are state resources. So of course, with the, in the Department of Agriculture and the Department of Human Services, and I didn't talk about it because we're talking about education, but aging as well, you know, we have um, more than 300,000 seniors in Pennsylvania who are facing hunger and, and often um, are not seen right in front of us. And so um, there are multiple resources within your state um, and other partners, but you can start at feedingpa.org. Your food bank can help you navigate a lot of those. 
Thank you, Jane. And I think for most of our listeners, there are great websites, lots of work that folks out there are doing to help shed light on the issue of food insecurity, hunger as well, and then direct people in terms of resources. And I think that's something that uh, we can be pleased, uh, Jane, individuals like you stepping into this role. Um, you know, for many folks uh, who are listening, whether you're a counselor, a coach, a teacher, or a neighbor, please be aware of many of the things that Jane has shared with us today with regards to identifying and pointing people to resource in order for us to be able to make a dent in addressing this issue. I think we have to continue to work collectively. Jane, thank you so much for joining us today. And let me personally thank you and say that it's an absolute privilege talking to you. You're definitely one of the PD Presents heroes doing the hard work out there. And so I wanna thank you as well. Well, thank you so much. You know, we're fortunate to have a platform like this to continue to get the message out and really appreciate all the work you and your department and the whole administration has done to support us. Thank you, Jane. So I'm Noe Ortega. Thank you all who joined us today for PD Presents. Production and technical assistance provided by the Harrisburg branch of the Pennsylvania Training and Technical Assistance Network.